This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up and welcome to episode 13 of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. We're at the big one three, folks. This is exciting. Today, we're going to be talking about creating a healthy and low maintenance lawn. I feel like that was a little lackluster there. Let's try it again. This is exciting, folks. We're going to be talking about creating a healthy, low maintenance lawn. There we go. All right. Let's get some energy today. This is a huge topic for me, kind of near and dear to my heart, because uh, to be honest, When it comes to grass and lawns, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with them. I mean, I totally understand how grass and and the American lawn, you know, that's America has really has defined the lawn as we see it today. Um, The the American lawn really kind of, it has a very specific functional aspect to it, but also an aesthetic as well. Uh, you know, the the wide open space. And let's face it, you know, lawns kind of define the human landscape. And if you, at least in Ohio, you know, originally Ohio is this forested land, uh, something like, uh, don't quote me on this, but something like 90% of Ohio was once forested. And uh, and now you look at our, our landscapes and you mostly see lawns now when, when you have developed areas. And when, when it's undeveloped, it graduates back into forest eventually. Or if you're in the prairie, you know, it graduates back to prairie. And, and uh, you know, you go to more arid regions, you're, if you leave a lawn go, it's going to graduate back to the, the Zarek Desert uh, type areas as well. So, Lawns really, in a way, kind of define the human landscape. Um, but at the same time, lawns are this massive resource-draining piece of our landscapes. And also, I think it's just become overused so much to where it's kind of a drab piece of the landscape now. You know, you look at, if I look down my street, I just see lawn after lawn after lawn after lawn. And, you know, it's dotted a few spots here and there with some ornamental tree or whatever, but it is the defining characteristic of of our street and of most developed spaces, of most semi-urban and urban and suburban areas. Um and and I would love to see that broken up more to where we actually have much less lawn. Let's say I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, let's say half the lawn we do right now with our landscapes would be awesome. And why is that? Well, for one, it reduces the amount of maintenance uh, if we design it properly. And also just from an artistic standpoint, it, it provides much more interest and also um, from a... Uh, uh, an ecological standpoint, most likely you're going to be providing more ecosystem services as well, which in turn is going to be boosting the health of your landscape. And that's, again, what we all want here is the healthier our landscape, more most likely the uh, less work it's going to be because the less uh, stressed our plants will be, the less disease issues we have. So when it comes to grass, I certainly have a love-hate relationship with it is, is kind of what I'm saying here. So, so there's certain aesthetic benefits to it when the lawn is used properly as a tool for a, uh, a living space, uh, compared to say, you know, a paved area, but, um, and also it, you know, it has wonderful characteristics if used in the right setting where, uh, it has pretty good traffic, uh, where, where you can, you can walk across it, play on it, you know, that sort of thing. And it's comfortable, uh, even lay on it or, or sit on it, you know, um, 
so there's certain benefits to it, but, but at the same time, the hate relationship for me partly becomes an overuse thing. It's, it's kind of a, just a monotonous space that's certainly overused in our landscapes. Um, and also just the work that comes with it. Lawns are a lot of work and that's the part where I really start to dislike it. Um, so let's get into, uh, how we can create a healthy and low maintenance lawn, uh, today and, and see if we can make some changes in our own landscape. All right, so when we're talking about maintenance, let's just think of a, the, the different maintenance uh, tasks you might have in your lawn and, and how they become kind of a, almost like a, a burden or something you're, you're almost chained to your lawn, especially during the growing season. So first, most obvious, you have your mowing and your growth phases. So cutting the grass to maintain it in a an aesthetically pleasing height that isn't going to make your neighbors angry and and isn't going to look overgrown or scrubby or whatever. Uh, most municipalities and, and uh, homeowners associations certainly frown on if you let your grass get out of control. Um, also, feeding is a maintenance issue. Um, a lot of people will feed their lawns or ha- hire services to do so on a, um, a usually a semi-annual basis or even more frequently sometimes. Uh, Next is your general grass health, just maintaining the health of your lawn, you know, taking care of spots, especially if you have pets or uh, moles or or um, just in general uh, dry areas or fungal issues or whatever. So taking care of your grass health is important too. So you might be reseeding and stuff. Um, and last, of course, is your weeds, weed issues. A lot of people like the the uniform appearance and feel of a, a weed-free lawn. And so they t- go to great lengths sometimes. This might be you, and I'm not necessarily talking down uh, about this, but uh, personally, I think it's overdone, certainly, um, to have weed-free lawns, 100% weed-free. You can't have one little tiny flower dotting your your beautiful carpet of green or whatever. And um, uh, this is a huge amount of work. So um, those are the typical maintenance issues um, and burdens when you come to think of your lawn. Uh, let's get into health. So there are actual health effects of typical lawn maintenance routines. The first is the chemical exposure. So a lot of lawn chemicals, there's specifically a reason why when lawns are treated by professionals, they put out that sign that has a, a circle with a line through it. And it usually shows a person and a dog because Lawn chemicals certainly have a, a pretty negative health effect, especially over long-term exposure. So if this is something, um, especially with kids, uh, are more susceptible to chemical exposure of different chemicals. So um, lawns can have a specific uh, and significant health effect on you and your family. So it's important to reduce uh, that amount of chemical exposure and, and also what they do with the greater landscape, so our, our rivers, lakes, and streams especially. Uh, next, as far as health goes, uh, exhaust actually can be a, a pretty major issue. So when you talk about mowers, there's I was trying to find some good statistics here, and, and unfortunately it's, it's not exactly clear on how much uh, lawnmowers are estimated to emit. There's a lot of uh, varying statistics, but some that I, I could try and find that were semi-tangible related to the EPA. They estimate 17 million gallons of gas 
are spilled, not even used, but just spilled uh, while filling lawnmowers. And <laughs> a little aside here, I certainly can't stand the new EPA nozzles. I think I spill more gas using the new uh, ridiculous nozzles that you can't use versus the old ones. Um, I understand the intent, but the, the actual um, practicality of them is pretty tough. But but that's a lot of gas that's spilled, and, and especially when... Uh, you know, that stuff gets on your skin or whatever. Gasoline is, is, uh, can be absorbed through the skin and, and it can have, um, some health effects. Uh, I'm not going to get into all this stuff today, but, but, um, it's certainly something to consider. So next, the, the other statistic I saw through the EPA was, um, 5% of U.S. air pollution is related to mowing. That's a lot of air pollution. And I'm not, you know, I haven't thrown away our mower. I, unfortunately, you know, we're kind of tied to it. If we have a lawn, we got to maintain it, right? So um, so uh, it's it's something, though, I definitely consider when I'm thinking about how I take care of my yard. Um, and, and last, the other piece I, I found was uh, 600 million gallons of gasoline are used through lawn care uh, each year. So that's a lot. Um and some of the varying statistics, there, some were pretty staggering. I don't know where the actual number is, but uh, one hour of mowing, uh, I heard uh, or I read uh, kind of conflicting accounts. And apparently this is based on, on temperature and, and what type of mower you have and uh, all sorts of stuff. So that's why it's difficult apparently to, to make a, a, a link between how much a mower emits versus a car. But some, some accounts were that... Uh, uh, Eight cars driving at 55 miles an hour equals one hour of mowing. Another was more uh, reduced. It was more like uh, one car driving at 45 miles an hour for uh, the same amount of time as a mower uh, is about equivalent. So either way, mowers do emit a lot more exhaust. And, and generally speaking, you know, this is the time most people are mowing when it's starting to get hot out. And so those um, those fumes are more... Um, you're heavily breathing those in and it can cause some, you know, long-term health effects, uh, being exposed to fumes like that. So just something to consider, you know, the, the more we can reduce our mowing, uh, the less health effects we have here. Um, so, you know, with your heavy respiration as you're walking around with a mower, if you're, if you're pushing it and, um, and everything, it can, it can really have an effect. So, um, let's think about what we can do to take care of our lawn uh, in a way that is is a lot less work than what we currently do. And um, I've experimented with various ways here, and, and certainly some are more effective than others. But I want to share with you what, what I see as the most effective ways to easily change your lawn care program. So you don't even have to go out there and, and replace your lawn. You don't have to tear everything up necessarily, but this is just steps to take with your lawn. And some of it's a mindset shift too, um, but things to do that that still are, you know, still can be attractive uh, with your lawn. It might, you might not have a putting green out there, but, but you're going to have a nice lawn and, and it's going to be something that you don't have to take care of as much. And your lawn plants, your grass will actually be healthier uh, as a result. And then also what I'm going to talk about too, after, after we talk about some of these easy steps, we're going to get more in depth into things you can do to actually like take some pretty legitimate steps to reduce your lawn size as well as the type of lawn you have if you want to take you know that approach and it'll significantly change things uh, especially with the in relation to uh, how much time it takes to take care of some of these things so something to consider if you're considering um, more uh, extensive measures for sure so let's get into the easy stuff first 
The first thing when it comes to making uh, some of these easier changes is this is kind of a mindset piece. And and what I'm really saying here is is that this requires a change in habit and and that can be difficult especially if you you're used to you know cutting your grass for the past 20 years the same way let's say right so uh i've been you know i started cutting grass when i was uh i don't know <laughs> i was probably 8 years old the first time i mowed the grass and that's probably you know frowned upon now my my parents might be uh, scrutinized for for letting me do something uh you know today in today's world but um but yeah i mean I started cutting grass pretty early and, and so we get into these habits and to, to try and change some of this stuff can be difficult. So the first thing is is reducing your mowing frequency. And and what this does is it allows your grass to basically have a longer time period between stress uh, periods. So uh, cutting your grass is a stress period for your lawn, actually. And it, it stresses out your grass because it, it sends a signal that it, it just went through a trauma, right? The tops of your grass blades are, are healing and it, it's basically signaling the rest of your grass plant uh, that it just lost a bunch of its foliage and so um, it needs to grow right so it triggers this this growth then stress response growth stress response and so reducing that uh, time period in between can actually help um, for one uh, slow down the the growth rate of your grass um, and, and two just give it more time to be a healthy grass plant and so this can be really important for your plant but more importantly actually is for you that you don't have to feel tied to your lawn so much that you have to be out there um, maybe every week or every um, couple days to be cutting your grass uh, which can take especially with the as your property size increases can take a pretty significant chunk of time i have neighbors uh, who legitimately cut their grass every single day and that's a significant portion of your day um or just your life, you know, if you add it up during the growing season of cutting your grass and think of all the the time you could spend on something more valuable, more important. So again, let's tie that, you know, focus on your real, real priorities in life and start to just consider or realize that that cutting your grass might not be the top priority in your life. And uh, it can, it can kind of take a back seat. And so Reducing your mowing frequency coupled with the next piece is very important. The next piece is raising your mower height. Okay, now what this does is it allows your grass to be cut less substantially each time you cut it. And when you're you're cutting and leaving a higher portion of your grass behind, it stresses out the plant less. And so let's go through a few of the things that happen when you're you're cutting at a higher height uh, less often. So the first is you're increasing the health of your grass plant overall because your roots and your foliage have a better root to foliage ratio. Generally speaking, most plants, this isn't a, you know a straight rule, but most plants have a pretty even ratio between what's above the ground and what's below the ground. And when that gets thrown off balance, it throws the plant off balance and it's hard for the top to sustain the bottom and vice versa. So if you're, you're significantly cutting the roots off of something, it can really stress the top because it's not getting the, the nutrients from the soil. And when you're significantly cutting the top, it stresses out the roots because the top can't sustain the carbon demand of your root system. And so generally speaking, there's, when you, you're throwing off that ratio, you're getting a stressed out plant. Um, and certainly true for your grass. So next uh, perfect segue is you get better roots with your 
with your higher grass. So you get stronger roots that are more sustained over time between mowings because they can they can stay living, stay healthy uh, because they have more foliage above them to um, to survive. And they can also grow deeper. So you have more roots per grass plant uh, because you have more foliage above it. You have a reduced growth rate. So it takes your plant, it's still, because we have a mown lawn, we're still unfortunately putting a plant in its unnatural state. It's like a bonsai tree, right? So you see these beautiful bonsai trees that um, are these miniature versions of a real tree. Well, it's not their natural form. And so you have to take care of it and prune it and keep it uh, maintained in order to keep it in that state. Because naturally speaking, that, that bonsai wants to be a tree, not a tiny little miniature plant. And so it takes a lot of maintenance to main, keep it that way. And similar with grass. So most of your grasses naturally want to be 12 inches or taller in, in their natural setting. And so when we're cutting them at, say, um, 4 inches or less, we're, we're putting that plant in an unnatural state. However, if you compare a 4-inch cutting to a 1- or 2-inch cutting, your, your plant is going to be much less stressed at that taller height because it's closer to its natural state. It stays in balance more with um, its natural state. And it's, it's just not trying to struggle to survive by shooting out growth as much as possible because it keeps losing its top growth. So you're still doing that somewhat. Uh, it's inevitable because you're still mowing. You're still reducing its uh, overall height. So as your, your plants obviously are still growing, right? Your grass is still growing, but it's at a reduced growth rate because it's not in that stress response as much. Uh, next, uh, because it's at a taller height, you're going to be shading out weeds. So there's less sunlight hitting the soil surface. So when you have your grass cutting it at say one inch height or two inches of height, there's not enough grass there to completely shade out the soil surface. And so whenever there's sunlight reaching the soil surface, you, you're giving signal to weed seeds that are, there's so many weed seeds present in any landscape that if the, if you're going to sun, put sunlight and water on it, there's going to be something that's going to sprout up. That's just how it is. There's so many weed seeds that get dispersed everywhere uh, through the air, through um, through other previous weed plants nearby, through birds, whatever. There's just there are weed seeds present in your soil, even if you keep killing them. <laughs> it's just how it is. Um, but as soon as sunlight hits that soil surface, it sends signals to a lot of your annual weeds to and, and perennials for that matter, but specifically your annual weeds, say your crabgrass, right? It sends signals to those plants to start growing because it means that they're under the right condition for growth, that there's a space available for that plant to grow. And so that's why you, with your shorter lawns specifically, you have a lot more weed problems if you're not treating them. So we, we raise that mower deck up and suddenly what happens is you have less sunshine hitting your soil surface and you have less signal to your weed seeds to start growing. They're still there, but they, they don't feel like it's as, as good of a condition to start growing. And, and, and so you have fewer weed problems. Now, this is kind of a long-term tactic here. It's going to take time to transition your lawn to have fewer weeds. But if you keep at it, this will reduce your weed pressure across your lawn. So next, we, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we have healthier grass plants, right? So all of these factors combined give you a healthier, happy grass plant. 
And so they have deeper roots because they have higher foliage on top. They're less stressed because they're getting less of their top growth cut off between cuttings. Even though you're at a higher um, higher height and reduced frequency, you have less grass, grass, grass top growth because it's growing slower as it's in a less stressed state. So you're not signal, your grass is not getting signals each time you cut to grow as much as it can because there's not enough foliage there. Uh, instead, it's saying, okay, we just had uh, you know a little bit of trauma because we got cut at this higher height. We're, you know, we're a little stressed out, but it's not as bad. We don't have to, you know, try and grow as, as much as we can and, and sacrifice our root health to grow as much as we can before getting cut again, because, because you're maintaining at a higher height, it's less stressed, it's growing slower. And, and so you have a happier grass plant. That's kind of how the story goes. All right. So the next piece, after we reduce our mowing frequency, we, we raise our mower height. The next thing we want to do is all these all these cuttings, you know, it, it used to be pretty common to bag your, your grass cuttings. Well, you see more and more people now mulching their grass clippings, and that's a really good thing. And because when you mulch your grass clippings, what it does is it, if it's, especially if you're mulching it um, small enough, if you have a nice mulching mower, it chops your grass blades into tiny little bits and, and they can kind of percolate down through your grass and, and, and get in contact with the soil and, and for one, shade out any weeds there, right? Uh, any weeds that are trying to germinate, you're shading that out, but they'll slowly kind of break down into organic matter for your soil. So they feed the grass plants, they feed the soil life that's present in your grass as well. So that's really important, um, a really helpful way to just kind of naturally start amending your, your soil to build it up and to replace some of the nutrients that your grass plants took out of it. Okay, so next we want to, if we're irrigating our lawn, you want to reduce that as much as possible. So especially if you're on a schedule, you want to get it off a schedule. So reducing your unnecessary irrigation uh, can go a long way um, to, to actually helping your grass, surprisingly. Uh, now, if if your grass, your lawn is totally dependent on irrigation to grow, this is an entirely different issue. So if you're talking about, like, say say you live in... in uh, Nevada or something, right? Where it's a much more arid region than 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 Southern Ohio, where I am, right? But um, there are certain grass plants that are better adapted to those those low moisture conditions. So if you're growing something that just can't tolerate the the dryness that uh, we're talking about here, you might have to irrigate, right? Now, am I advocating for irrigation? Not necessarily, because there's that's a lot of water, guys, especially in a water stressed region, right? You're you're taking clean water usually, and you're putting it on on grass plants that instead it could be used for drinking water more important things so what i'd recommend there is it's tough but but uh, to replace your lawn with something that can withstand that condition um but if you got to do it you know reduce it as much as possible so especially say here in ohio or a similar climate um we don't need to be irrigating our lawns really uh most grass plants now that come out uh that you even that you buy in the big box store usually they have varieties that are adapted to your area uh, and don't need so much irrigation once established if you're establishing your lawn even with your your eco-friendly type lawns, your lawn replacements or whatever that I might be getting into later, um, those still require irrigation during establishment because the establishment phase is a high maintenance phase. What we want is the long-term low maintenance phase. And so sometimes you got to do some work to get to where you want, right? 
Okay, so what I'm talking about here is your general maintenance phase. And in your general maintenance phase, um, you want to be watering in the early morning only. So what this does uh, compared to other times of day is, is it's right before plants are going to be actively respiring, right? So before there's tons of sunlight, it also reduces the amount of water droplets are on the blades once you get to your hot points of your day. And it also um, is the best time overall. So why? So... If you water in the middle of the day, you're going to be, you're basically putting a bunch of little tiny magnifying glasses on the front, on the top of your plants, right? And so it can actually burn the leaves by having little water droplets there that, that focus the sunlight onto certain points that just burn, they actually physically burn through the leaf um, and leave little tiny dead spots. So it can hurt your plants. And in addition, your evaporation rate is much higher because it's a hotter point of your day. You have uh, active sunlight shining on the the surface, so you you your evaporation loss is much higher as well. If you or water in the uh, late day or evening, what you can do is you can actually um, expose your plants to fungal disease conditions. So because of the high moisture in the in the evening and overnight, that's the best time for um, fungal diseases to kind of start growing and spreading. And so um, you're you're leaving the the grass plants more susceptible to disease uh, by watering at that time. Okay, so um, so by reducing it and and at the right time you can you can take care of some of those issues. You're also by just reducing your irrigation you can increase the resilience of your plant. So you make it better adapted to your local conditions. Um, maybe it's even potentially drought conditions, right? So you're, you're beefing up the health of your plant by slowly weaning it off this dependent and regular watering period. I mentioned that you're going to be reducing your fungal disease. So, um, again, the wetter your plants, especially right at the base of the plant there, that's the most susceptible area of your plant. And, um, you're going to be allowing it to have periods of dryness more frequently that is less um, less conducive to fungal growth. And so that's really important. And last but not least here, certainly not least, is your pocketbook will thank you because you're going to be reducing your water bill. And when you're talking about uh, taking care of your landscape and irrigating it, your water bill can rack up pretty fast just through irrigation uh, costs. So, so it's something that definitely... Uh, your, your budget will thank you uh, by you know, kind of cutting this expense out, but also just on a greater scale, you know, especially in water-stressed regions. So um, uh, you're talking about west of the Mississippi. Um, it's just a, it's becoming a, you know, a bigger, bigger thing here where water can be really scarce at certain times, especially when it's most needed in your landscape. So trying to design your landscape or to build resilience in your lawn uh, to where it doesn't need it as much is really important for that reason too. Okay, so kind of part and parcel with with the irrigation is we also want to feed our lawn only when necessary. And this is with uh, amendments. And certainly I recommend organic amendments. So this isn't necessarily USDA certified organic that I'm talking about, but just naturally organic uh, amendments. So your your carbon-based amendments that uh, you can get as, you know, compost, uh, decomposed plant material, that sort of thing, Uh, mulches, um, and and that kind of stuff that uh, I'm talking about here. So, um, when it talk when we're talking about organic amendments too, or, or naturally derived amendments, uh, generally speaking, the non-concentrated form is better as well because then it's a, a slow, extended release of of nutrients that um, 
hopefully stay in your landscape longer, but are also don't pose a negative health risk to you and your family. Uh, so these are things that are hopefully healthier that we're talking about here. And I'm being very broad in general here because there are so many that I, I'm not going to get into it today. But in general, reduce your feeding and use uh, safer organic ones that um, are better for your plants, better for you, and um, and only when necessary. So um, it's, you know, feeding your plants at the wrong time, your grass can actually have a negative effect. So um, taking away the unnatural doses of feeding can leave your plant to, to take care of itself and to do it in a way where it, um, it can rely on itself and be a little bit healthier too. Okay, so that kind of gets into our easy ways of taking care of our lawn and reducing the work now without having to make major changes to your lawn. Let's talk about some more legit stuff, right? So let's get into it as far as like, you want to make a big change with your lawn. What can you do? All right. So the first thing, and probably the most important thing is just simply reducing the size of your lawn. Okay. So when we look at, let me take my house, for example. So our house sits on a almost half acre lot, which when uh, I'll be honest, you know, when we first bought it, I was like, oh man, you know, I would love to have like five acres or 20 acres or whatever. And, and maybe someday. Right. But now we live at, on a five acre or <laughs> not a five acre lot, about a half acre lot. And, uh, you know, it's one of those like kind of weird shaped lots because it's on the end of a, a street. And so we get kind of like the weird triangle side to it as well. And, um, but at first I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of small. It's not enough space, whatever. Well, I quickly learned to realize as my life got much busier with having kids and, and full-time job and everything and, and launching a podcast and stuff like that, um, uh, that a half acre is a lot to take care of. And, and especially when it comes to your lawn, um, so reducing the size of your lawn can um, go at great lengths to reducing your overall landscape maintenance if you do it in a way that's appropriate and proper. So if you do it with a uh, with a low maintenance angle. So some of those examples are replacing with low maintenance garden beds. So this might be something you only have to address, you know, once or twice a year to take care of, to kind of manage your plants, to do a little bit of weed control, and um, and to do a little bit of feeding if necessary or amendment, and and let it take care of itself. Um, Similarly, you can look at to like a a prairie or meadow type planting, and you know this again is a very low maintenance way to to take care of your landscape. Um, actually, at my this is really becoming a, a more common thing at a lot of corporate and uh, commercial properties. So at my at my full time uh, job, they do this actually too, where a lot of the previously um, frequently mowed areas they've replaced with this kind of rustic kind of meadow um appearance where they they plant it with with local uh species that are adapted to our region for um just with grasses and flowers and such and they they give a a, a wonderful appeal appeal to the landscape and in addition it's significantly less maintenance uh for the commercial property so this is something you can adapt into your own landscape as well so maybe those areas where you don't need really need to be accessing them a whole lot but but you still like to have the space you can make it into a buffer that is a beautiful prairie slash meadow planting and uh, it can even be a really great space for for uh, natives and pollinators and and just building the overall health of the your local area as well as um, your local landscape 
Um, you could also, if you're in a drier region, you can consider the xeriscaping, so your dry landscaping uh, techniques that are becoming much more common in those areas. And again, all of, all three of these types of suggestions can be a lot of work if you don't do them improperly, but done properly, they can be very hands-off and very appealing at the same time. So when we're thinking about reducing the size of our landscape, or, or of our lawn area, uh, we also want to consider focusing our maintenance on the major use areas. So these are the areas where you, you have your primary traffic. Uh, you might want to consider lawn. Um, uh, you could also consider pathways for some of these areas. But but wherever you're spending your time, you probably don't want to be traipsing through, you know, six-foot-tall grasses or whatever, right? So so focusing your your lawn on those areas that you specifically want to use if that's the type of space you want. Um, and then the other spaces, you can consider some of these other uh, plantings that, that take away the, the frequency with which you have to mow and, and the amount with which you have to mow. So, um, if, for example, too, my, my wife wants to make sure as we plan for the future that we have a space for our kids to play. So what does that look like? How much space do we need? Uh, where do we need that space to be? And, and planning for that adequately. So um, when we're thinking about the additional spaces beyond that, we can consider uh, reducing some of our lawn uh, dependency. When you're looking at your lawn, you can consider replacing as much of it as possible with some sort of low maintenance cover so that some of this is stuff that can um, allow traffic and some of it uh, maybe just very minimal traffic uh, but overall it gives you kind of a similar aesthetic to your lawn so something very low growing uh, doesn't require as much cutting doesn't require as much feeding and all of that sort of stuff so the first one uh, which is one i've tried specifically in our yard is a, a no mow lawn so there's actually a brand of of lawn seed called no mow and uh, it's it's N-O-M-O-W. And uh, this is provided by the Prairie Nursery out of Wisconsin. Um, and I, I love this stuff. Uh, the one caveat is that you really got to make sure you're establishing it properly in order to prevent long-term weed pressure. But this stuff, I've I've had a one patch of this where I've experimented with multiple ways of establishment. We can get to talking about details with this stuff in the future. But, but the real thing I want to say is I've had this for gosh now at least um at least three years and uh over three growing seasons I've hardly had to do anything with this grass uh it requires very little mowing so we're talking maybe two maybe three times a year uh that I mow it um for various reasons once for seed heads once for um once to mulch back uh growth after you know the growing season's over and that's mainly it and maybe one other time if I need to but that's it and um and what you get is a beautiful lawn that, yes, it's a little taller than usual, but what happens is these grass blades are very thin and uh, very soft, and so they kind of flop over, and you get this, like, mottled kind of shag carpet experience, uh, view, I guess, or appearance. That's the word I'm looking for. And... Uh, and uh, but it's it's actually very appealing. It, it looks different than your typical lawn, but it's very nice, very soft. It's fun to walk on barefoot, and it's really good at weed prevention. Now we get you know a few weeds here and there, but but nothing like our regular lawn area. So um, something to consider. Uh, so the Nomo lawn it's made up of fescues. Uh, it's a blend of fescues. There's some other brands as well. Usually they're branded as like an eco lawn or something like that. And uh, but they're a brand uh, a mix mixture of various fine and and 
thin bladed fescues and uh, but they grow primarily in the northern uh, climates of the United States so if you're looking in the south there are some other options um, some of that are becoming more popular are, are uh, various strains of buffalo grass and blue grandma grass and so these are natives to our our North American prairie and they can withstand the the hotter drier conditions and generally they don't actually do as well in the wetter conditions of the the north so something to consider um, okay also we can think about uh, various plants such as your sedges so these are becoming quickly popular as as a low maintenance ground cover uh, generally not something you you're walking on as much but you can if you need to um, but it, they make a nice appearance as well um, so your sedges uh, also you can consider something like creeping thyme uh, those are quickly becoming popular as as a ground cover and and these actually can withstand a certain amount of traffic um, and with all these things I want to point out that establishment is key so making sure your space is prepared adequately before you planting these um, these types of alternative ground covers is, is very very important and I actually I kind of cringe when I say alternative ground covers because I think these should be the norm um, and they're actually very beautiful most of them so um, and that's why they're becoming popular in a lot of spaces is um, is these ground covers they're starting to be realized for the value and the beauty they can provide to your landscape so one last thing with establishment is I recorded in episode 10 I talked about how to establish a garden bed uh, properly and all of these principles certainly apply here um, so I strongly recommend if you're if you're considering this replacement strategy uh, to go on check out episode 10 and and learn more about that uh, some great information there okay cool so uh, next if we're talking about our existing lawn, uh, consider adding clover to your lawn. This is very helpful when it comes to feeding your lawn. So basically what you're doing is you're naturally fertilizing your lawn because uh, clover and its associated bacteria that live in its roots, they provide nitrogen to your, to the, the surrounding plants. And so that's very helpful if you, if you uh, remember in your fertilizer that you generally buy from the store, it's NPK whatever, right? So it, it lists the certain values of nitrogen phosphorus and potassium that's what the NP and K stand for and and so nitrogen is a very important uh, nutrient for your plants um, and and clover can naturally provide that for your grass so if you can um, if you actually like the look of clover there's some certain varieties out there um, that you can use in your lawn and uh, and clover can provide a lot of beauty to your landscape. It also attracts bees, um, which most people like. I like. Um, and if, uh, you know, something to consider, I guess, if you're concerned about allergies or whatever, maybe you don't want to walk around barefoot in your lawn. Um, but uh, clover can really benefit your lawn, uh, especially if you, if you notice you have um, uh, medic or birdfoot trefoil. These are two commonly considered weeds um, in, in lawns. Um, personally, I don't mind bird's foot trefoil. I think it's really pretty because it has these beautiful yellow flowers in late spring. Um, but uh, so I'd actually like it in my landscape. But but some, a lot of people consider these weeds. And so if you if you looking up what weeds you have in your lawn and these pop up, both of them have those those typical three leaves that you see uh, similar. They're not, they don't look exactly like clover, but they have similarly shaped leaves. And um, and so if you have those in your lawn, uh, what your lawn is saying is that you don't have enough nitrogen there. So planting your clover uh, there uh, can be very helpful. Uh, one point I want to make here is if you use, if you choose to use um, something like weed and feed in your lawn, 
This is incompatible with clover because clover is a broadleaf plant, and your weed, le- your weed and feed uh, kills out those um, those broadleaf plants out of your your lawn. So something to consider uh, if you're considering that option. Uh, and last, I just want to say there's a lot of different multi-species uh, mixes you can consider for your lawn. Um, if you just kind of Google lawn alternatives, you'll start to see um, or there, there are a lot of various areas kind of trying to develop alternative or different um, lawn mixes that you can use that are low-growing uh, plants that can uh, you can put in your landscape and so it's something to consider there i haven't tried out a lot of these yet um, i hope to in the future um, but uh, just something I, i'm definitely keeping my eye out uh, and kind of considering and uh, i just want to put it out there for you in case you want want to see it so with that uh, that's basically what i had today with um, taking care of your lawn in a way that is low maintenance but also healthy and um kind of cutting that cord, you know, that that's going to tie you to your landscape so much so you can have a little bit more freedom. And uh, I really hope uh, that you can come away from today's episode with something actionable, something tangible that you can do in your landscape to really start saving time, especially when it comes to how take how you take care of your lawn. Uh, we're going to be getting into the active growing season here in just a, you know, a little bit. And so I wanted to kind of prep you with the lawn care stuff today. And Okay, now it's time to talk about the launch party, guys. Uh, excuse me, not party, but parte. Uh, the launch parte is for the first two months of the show from March 11th through May 11th, 2018. I want to have some fun uh, to help spread a wor- spread the word about the show. Uh, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in this show, and I want to get you guys involved and have some fun while we're doing it. So this is a chance to have some fun, to uh, for us to get connected, uh, to win some prizes, and And uh, let's talk about the prizes before we talk about what we're doing. So what are the prizes? Weekly, I'm offering a free consultation with me, Ben Hale, which is normally a $99 value. So uh, one person each week uh, that gets involved in the launch parte gets a free consultation. I'm also giving away a free offer for one of my eBooks, 10 Ways to Get More Beauty with Less Work, which is a $19 value. Uh, next, the grand prize. There is only one of these we're giving away through this whole launch party. So at the end of the launch party, the Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. So Paul Tukey himself has offered to give away one free book to a lucky winner uh, that's getting involved in this launch party. Uh, And this book is all about how to manage a healthy lawn from anything from a golf course style lawn to your uh, low maintenance lawn, which of course is something I prefer here on this show, right? I own this book. I've read this book multiple times. I've given it away. It's a kind of a a tattered and worn version that I have. Um, And uh, I, I, I use some of these practices in my own lawn. So I, I love this book and I highly um, promote it as well. And you'll hear me talk about it throughout the show. Uh, but Paul Tukey has been kind enough to offer a copy of his book as a grand prize. And there's also a special surprise for everybody that's uh, going to be getting involved in the launch parte. The Rolling River Nursery out of California has offered a, a special surprise for everybody that's involved. The Rolling River Nursery is a, a USDA certified organic nursery. So I went online and I looked around for nurseries that have online availability shipped through the continental U.S. and have some great offerings. And Rolling River Nursery has been kind enough to become involved with our launch party. 
And they're not only are they online availability, but they also are certified organic, which means they don't use any harmful herbicides or pesticides that you have to be concerned with your family about. And so what you're getting is a safe and healthy plant. They also offer a ton of edible plants and trees and shrubs, cacti and succulents. So um, they offer several trees and shrubs that are adaptable throughout the most of the United States. So definitely worth checking them out. And in addition, these guys are also involved with a, uh, a nonprofit in Southern California to help local food movements called PlantingJustice.org. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go to RollingRiverNursery.com. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Paul Tukey's website, uh, for his organic lawn care manual and his other works is paultukey.com, P-A-U-L-T-U-K-E-Y. And uh, to sum up, guys, okay, you want to learn how to get involved with this uh, launch party? Go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pod launch. And that's P-O-D-L-A-U-N-C-H. There's a link in the show notes. Um, and that's that's going to give you all the instructions on how to get involved. Uh, there's two ways specifically to get involved. One is through uh, sharing with your uh, peeps on Facebook. And the other is through leaving a review on iTunes. Both of these are going to help spread the word about the show and get other people, other friends listening to it as well. And I sure appreciate your help here. And and likewise, uh, this is going to be a fun time. So, uh, so go on over and to Aesthetic ecosystems.com slash pod launch to get involved. Uh, likewise, if you have a question for the show, head on over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pod. Uh, I think I've referenced podcasts in the past few episodes. That's actually not the right link. So uh, if you just go to aestheticecosystems.com, you'll see right on the top menu there uh, a link to the podcast section. And I also have a, a button when you go to the podcast area. And um, you can ask a question, and um, and you know I'm going to try and start incorporating questions on the show here too. So so go over there, ask a question if you have a question about something, and I'll see if I can fit it into the shows here. Maybe we'll start doing some Q and A shows and such. So um, uh, yeah, with that, guys, uh, I also wanted to reference um, two specific uh, resources. One I already mentioned, which is the Prairie Nursery in Wisconsin. Um, they have a lot of great plants that they offer that are adapted to most areas of the United States, uh, but specifically the prairie areas of the United States. They have a lot of stuff there as well um, that is just really good information, and uh, specifically to the no-mode lawn that I've had success with in our landscape, and uh, I want you to try out too if you're considering it. Uh, next is the, the Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. So Paul is actually part of our launch promo here. Uh, he's he's uh, giving away a copy of his organic lawn care manual book. So uh, if you haven't considered going over to the, the podcast launch, definitely check that out. Um, but also just the organic lawn care manual. Uh, I'd, I'd strongly recommend you guys to buy a copy of it. Um, it's a great book in learning how to basically wean your yard off of, of the chemical addiction that most of our lawns are on. And um, it goes, it spans the area from having a, a nice, very well manicured lawn that looks exactly the same as maybe what you aspire to with a golf course, all the way to a maybe a much lower maintenance routine that's still very uh, aesthetically pleasing, uh, but a lot less work um, than, than your typical golf course lawn. So um, check it out. The Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. Uh, it's a great resource, and uh, I certainly recommend it. Um, next, guys, check out. I have tons and tons of links for today's show in the show notes, um, including where you can go to get to the podcast uh, page on my website. Um, 
to subscribe. If you guys like the show, I'll be coming out with more episodes. So make sure you subscribe. Uh, stay tuned. And, um, and also, um, just guys, thanks for tuning in today and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.